Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Chad Hall, who is the founder and CEO of Remodelmate, which is a managed marketplace for bathroom renovations. Homeowners get plans, permits, materials, and book labor through their site, and the entire process is managed by a project concierge to make sure renovations finish on time and on budget. They're in a few different cities right now, and they are growing. In this episode, Chad talks about how this business started, getting $500,000 in investment to then grow the company, how he's been managing the COVID situation. It's not quite how you would think, and even how he looks at growth in the future. Full of gems in this episode. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And The Weekly Grind, my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday tips, tools, strategies for launching and growing a business. It's filled with them. You can find it at justgrowgrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Chad Hall, the founder and CEO of Remodelmate. Chad, welcome to the show. How's it going, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Excited to chat here about Remodelmate and your kind of your history with it and everything and always willing to get started at the beginning. So how did Remodelmate get started in the first place, Chad? So a few years ago, I was working for one of the largest home improvement companies on the East Coast, uh, first in marketing and then in sales and then finally in operations. And I came across two statistics that I just couldn't get out of my head. The first was that 80% of first-time homeowners are going to spend $18,000 on a major renovation in the first 12 months that they're in the home. And then the other... Yeah, right? Like that was good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other one was that nine out of 10 bathrooms in the United States are five by eight. So then as a salesperson, I really think that was the connective tissue. Uh, I asked the question, hey, I know exactly who my customer is. Um, I, there, there isn't as, nearly as much customization as most people would think goes into a bathroom. So why the hell do we need so many people to <laughs> sell a bathroom, right? You call this phone number, go online, you request a quote, um, you send, you're expecting a sales, uh, a contractor to show up, right? Somebody like an overalls and, you know, like tape measure. <laughs> Instead, you get me and I'm in like a dress shirt. I got an iPad and I'm, I'm like, I'm here to sell you a bathroom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Seven out of 10 times, I would close that deal on the spot. And then there would be a finance guy, a customer service guy, uh, pre-install inspection. So many people that had to touch you, speak to you, take time out of your schedule um, and make this process, this already overwhelming process, even more scary. Um, And then six, eight weeks, if we were great, um, sometimes 12 weeks because, you know, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. Uh, we'll be able to do your bathroom. Let, let's let's start two and a half years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it and I'm like, a bathroom, as I see it, is basically a car, right? It's a big piece of aluminum sitting on top of four pieces of rubber. Or in this case, a five by eight room that has a tub, toilet, vanity, tile, paint, and that's it. So I said, if I can go online and say, I want a Nissan Sentra, 
um, I know conceptually what it looks like. There's going to be four doors. It's going to be cloth on the interior, maybe leather if I upgrade that. Um, there's going to be a radio, steering wheel, gas, brake, windows, that kind of thing. I said, and I can do that online. Like I can click a couple buttons and then I know how much it's going to cost. Uh, I, I can figure out if there's financing available. And if that's the one that I want, I can even figure out the dealership that has that exact color. Yep. And I can buy. So, so why can't I do that with a bathroom? And then I looked around. I looked at Angie's List. I looked at Home Advisor. I looked at Thumbtack, all these great companies that have been in the space. I said, no one's figured it out yet. Uh, I might be crazy. <laughs> and then, yeah, I said, I'm going to go and build the bathroom that I think should exist. And with that, Chad, so, okay, knowing that, I love the lead up into this point. So you figure out this problem and it's not being solved. At that point, then you're, you're going out into, okay, let's, let's solve this problem. Then it's obviously a need here. How do you think through that process of like, okay, what's the first thing we do for this process then? Yeah. So I think that I had to make one decision because I didn't have a lot of cash. Yeah. I, I had no team yet. Uh, so it was two things. I could either spend a lot of time building a product or I could figure out distribution. Um, I decided to go after distribution because I figured if I can find customers that want this thing, they'll help me. I mean, the, the alternative is answer a couple questions and you're essentially submitting your form, your name on a lead generation form. And then you're going to have a bunch of people call you. It's going to take weeks because I already know that experience, right? So I said, even if yeah. the first version of my product sucks, it's going to be at least an order of magnitude better than that. So <laughs> I then asked the question, where might I find first-time homeowners online, offline? I didn't really care where, as long as it was affordable. Um, so that's that was my next immediate step was where, where can I find those people who eight times out of 10 are going to fork over 18 grand just because they bought a house and for no other reason. <laughs> How did you end up finding them then, Chad? The short answer is I thought about what happens before I bought a house. Um, so I'm a part of the generation who has way too much student loan debt. We are getting married later. Uh, we're having kids later. And I said, you know, all of those things typically happen right before you buy a house. It's kind of when we grow up, at least my generation. Yeah. And then I figured out how to reverse engineer those life events. Um, it's easier in some places than others. Uh, but that was it. The, the secret was unlocking what couple of events happen right before someone in my generation, someone who's digitally native, someone who wants to push a button and get something, you know, the Airbnb, the Ubers, the Postmates, those kind of companies, um, the people who love those companies, what series of events turns them into a homeowner and then target those things? Because if I wait until after they're a homeowner, I'm too late. I'll have to compete with people who have budgets a hundred times the size of mine. Yeah. And with that too, then understanding that, so reverse engineering this, this process to find these people, like, were you targeting any particular areas in terms of location? Were you targeting different, uh, you knew you, the millennial generation kind of like, take me through like that targeting process of like, okay, how are you getting an idea of who these customers are going to be? Sure. So uh, as a two-sided marketplace, I wanted to be hyper-local first. Um, I pretty much stole the playbook from uh, Living Social. Uh, I, I worked at Living Social 
for a year and a half, almost two years. Um, and then I also saw that playbook, you know, Uber, um, Postmates, all the on-demand companies. We're not an on-demand company in the sense there's, there are a few companies or business models that I think could be Uberized. Um, but I do think that the rollout strategy was still um, directionally correct. So we have a chicken and egg problem. We had to get a bunch of contractors first that would say, hey, um, I stink at sales and marketing and I could really help. And then I had to find homeowners who would be willing to give me you know, five figures over the internet um, for this crazy idea. So um, I, we focused purely on D.C., um, I'm originally from New York, but I moved to the DMV uh, to go to the University of Maryland. Um, go Terps, I ran track there. <laughs> um, nice. And then I said, you know, I ha- already have a bunch of contacts because of my experience at uh, Long Fence. So contractors should be pretty easy. I can just call a couple people. I don't need very many. Um, if you think of like the Uber story, like Travis just walked around and like, spoke to black limo drivers, right? And said, hey, will you drive for me? So I, that was essentially what I did. It wasn't, that wasn't the hard part. It was the customer side. And I figured if this is going to get, have any chance of getting big um, or growing fast or both, um, I probably want there to be a very tight feedback loop. So I do Justin's bathroom. Justin has a good experience. He tells his friend, um, so on and so forth, right? Uh, we probably could have gone big from day zero just because contractors proved to be pretty easy to acquire, at least for us. Um, but we figured that the flywheel on the demand side, it, it works a lot better if we can keep it tight out of the gate. And one day, you know, we'll be able to roll out a couple of cities at a time. But um, starting out, we made a decision to just be in, uh, Washington, D.C., and it paid off. And with that decision then, so you start in Washington, D.C., you know you have to get the demand. It's a du- it's double-sided marketplace, so you have to get both. What is like the V1 of, of like even like your first remodel or like the first actual website and things you had set up for like the beginning? What did that look like on like launch day, for instance? Yeah, so on launch day, we probably looked more like a D2C company. So Derek Holt was our first customer. He probably didn't realize that Chad Hall wasn't going to be installing his bathroom. He thought I was like long fence, for example. I was the the president or the owner of this local contracting company, and I had a crew of guys um, that was going to come into his bathroom for him. The like actual product I built maybe in four days. Um, a site that said push a button, get, get a bathroom. Um, nine out of 10 bathrooms are five by eight, which means I can price it sight unseen and get you in and out in three weeks. Book your bathroom now, something like that. It was like a, a Wix page. Um, yeah. And then you have this button that looks like it's going to take you to this form. Um, but <laughs> on that button and then a Calendly pop-up um, was served and it just told you to schedule a time. Then I would call you and say, hey, so I need you to jump on this video call. I need you to walk me through your bathroom. And then uh, there are some cheat codes in there that I'm not speaking of, but like a tub, for example, they come in standard sizes. They're five feet long, 
30 or 32 inches wide. So somebody would just walk me through their bathroom with their phone. Then I could tell like, okay, five feet. We got the width. We're right there. Um, do they have a single vanity? Okay. Uh, that means we're probably at eight feet because your toilet goes in between the tub and the vanity in this floor plan. Your toilet needs 18 inches of egress on center. So if a single vanity could fit in there, it could only be 30 or 36 inches. So I knew I was within six inches just by looking at where the tub was. If you had a double vanity, I was kind of screwed. 48, 60, or 72. Uh, but now my you know, standard deviation got a little bit bigger. Luckily, that didn't happen too many times. And the nine out of 10 bathrooms proved to be true. But that was it. Um, right after that video call, I would send over um, a hello sign that said, if you agree to this, you'll get an invoice through Stripe. And these are all just a bunch of plugins that I was really just a hamster on the wheel. But um, yeah, I got to prove the concept that somebody was willing to send me an, an irresponsible amount of money over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, slight unseen right it didn't need any handshaking or anything like that like what they were paying for was speed convenience and you know after Derek got his bathroom done what he said to me was I got a $34,000 bathroom for 13k and then that became our value proposition that in the mid-Atlantic region this bathroom would usually take you 30 cost you $34,000 and take you 8 to 12 weeks to complete um, and with Remodelmate, you do it for 13K in three weeks. That's amazing. And there's a couple of things I need to unpack there. First off, the simplicity of which to launch, I think it's critical. Get a, get a customer first. We just want to highlight that point. If you can get a customer off of a super basic website and prove the concept, like that's everything. And I love I love what you did there with, with that as well. And, and like if you can get that first customer, that can lead to more. And then figuring out that value prop of what you just mentioned that's that's incredible and where did you go from there then so understanding you got that first customer you're like oh shit like this is this is amazing like this is this is what we wanted and then where'd you go from for the growth perspective from that point then so i got lucky as hell because Derek holt happens to be i keep talking about him because like i owe him shares eventually (laughs) happened to be a real estate agent um perfect he was like hey man um I can shop you, you know, give me some of your business cards. Um, I show a lot of customers uh, houses and they're like, hey, in D.C., I mean, it's nothing like San Francisco or New York, but in D.C., like a row home will still run you six or seven hundred grand, even when it needs some work. So he said, I see a lot of customers or clients that are really interested in the neighborhood. They love the house. Good bones, blah, 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 blah. But they have no idea what type of offer they should put in because they don't know if the bathroom costs four grand or 40 grand. And he was like, I would love to just be able to say, hey, use Remodel Mate. Um, and then he was like, so give me some of your business cards. But before I start doing all these referrals, here's what you got to fix about the website. He was like, I know how much a bathroom cost. And because you were 60% under market, I was willing to go through all that. But most people aren't going to put up with like <laughs> your calendar being you know, yeah. served on a different website. Like it opened up in another tab. <laughs> you have no brand recognition. You have no review. You have nothing. Um, so fix those things and I'll help you. And then from there, uh, I got, I want to say four more customers over the span of like, 
I don't know, 90 days or 120 days. So five customers in four months. Um, and then let's, let's take Derek out of the way because he doesn't really count, right? He's a real estate agent. He knows like the right things to type in Google to find me, right? Or right, right. whatever, right? But now we're just looking at these four people who, you know, I said, my thesis was first time homeowners. What do they have in common? Um, all of them were engaged or married. Um, they had, there was ways for me to find out data about like how much they made, where they worked. Um, this is not like black hat stuff, by the way, I'm talking about like figuring out what their LinkedIn profile is. And if you're a director level position at Capital One, there's a salary band that you think of. Um, but even the fact that they were directors also gave me like a signal, right? These aren't yeah. entry level account executives. They're not, um, you know, senior vice president of international marketing for Microsoft either, right? These are people that are six or seven years out of college. Um, maybe they have a master's degree. Um, and these were the kind of jobs that they did, you know, China, jobs that they worked in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So then it's only four, four data points, four couples. Um, but that was strong enough for me to start running some marketing campaigns on Facebook and Instagram. And then just seeing if that continued to be true, meaning did my conversion, you know, now I can get a, a baseline for conversions. Uh, I can get an understanding of how much it actually cost me to acquire a customer because up until this point it was free. Um, how long it takes to convert a customer because Derek took something like 28 days. It was like a month, but he doesn't really count because I'm typically not going to find customers that are ready to buy $13,000 bathroom. I need to do some type of lead nurturing. Right. Um, a lot of, I made a lot of mistakes there cause this is the first time that I did any digital marketing ever. Um, I had my, my co-founder was like reading HubSpot Academy or like <laughs> or anywhere we could find information about digital ads. But you mentioned mistakes though, real quick. What were some of those mistakes you, you had made then through like kind of the digital marketing side of things? Oh man. Um, first off is spending way too much money, way too fast. And then incidentally, also not spending enough money once you found something that kind of works. So first off, right. We were making a double digit rip. Uh, so just like every other marketplace, you connect two people, you create value, you take you you own or earn a piece of that value. So let's say it was a 10 grand bathroom, we get 10%, a thousand dollars, right? I had no concept that like if you're gonna make a thousand dollars on that customer, you can probably afford to spend like three hundred bucks acquiring that customer, right? So we're doing ads with like five dollar daily spends. Uh, so the time that it takes us to spend 300 bucks is just way too long. It's 60 days, like two months time. We just, we, we can't learn fast enough. Um, that made us really disciplined and good in the early days. Um, enough for us to like be able to eat ramen and like sleep on couches and stuff like that. But one, once we figured out that like, oh, this particular audience or this particular targeting worked, it took us a very long time for us to be comfortable with spending like 300 bucks in a day um, yeah. compared to 300 bucks in two months. Uh, if we would have flipped that, 
you know, switch a lot sooner, I'd be very surprised at where we'd be today. With that, then that was the way you decided to go with, with acquiring customers. Like, yeah, we're going to do digital marketing, of course, because we'll be able to reach these people and then we'll be able to grow that way. Eventually you, you figure it out a bit more. Did you, I mean, for that process, even kind of just taking a step back from that completely, when you started this, was it a matter of like, you kind of just quit your job and went all in? Did you work on this on, on the side at first? Did you have capital raise? I'm curious, like how did that kind of start from like the funding perspective too? So I got lucky. Um, my co-founder worked for a real estate company as a concierge. Um, so he was able to work nights, literally from 3 p.m. until uh, 11 p.m. I think that's eight hours. Um, I know that he usually got home around midnight. Um, so basically, he was like, I'll pay all the bills, like rent and stuff like that, um, if you'll work the business during the day. And anything that we make, um, we'll you know, we'll kind of treat the business as a co-founder. So I'll take a third, you take a third, and the business keeps a third. Um, it also helped that I had like eight grand from um, my, like my exit package from my last job. Yep. Um, and somewhere access to about $60,000 in credit cards. So, you know, if, if we ever hit a real big snag, like I had enough to, I mean, figure before this, I was making over a hundred grand, sure. But a lot of that money I didn't need. I was a really good salesperson, right? So I probably could get by as a 20 something year old with like $60,000 salary the rest of us do. So yeah. Worst case scenario, I had like a year's worth of income, income, <laughs> quote unquote, yep, in credit cards. So <laughs> all that really mattered to me was if I can get to some point of predictability, at least around how I get customers, then I think I'll be able to tell a compelling story around the idea that the way that renovations get done today sucks, um, especially when there's not nearly as much customization as everybody thinks. And... Um, if I, if you can give me a little bit of capital, Mr. or Mrs. Angel investor, um, I can figure out these other things, but first and foremost, I know how to make money. Uh, so with or without you, I'm going to build a, at least a moderately decent business. Um, you being, you having the opportunity to invest allows me to get there faster and you for own a piece to own a piece. Uh, if you wait until I figure out all these things. Uh, well, I might learn that I don't need you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you went after angel investing and angel investors then at some point? Yeah, about six months after the business was started, we raised about half a million dollars. Um, a lot of it was based on uh, my my network being at the University of Maryland. I was I was a Catholic, so there's an angel group on on Maryland's campus. The state of Maryland also has a venture fund, um, so. You know, you kind of get one or two checks and the rest get a lot easier. Um, I think it was also not as hard as it typically should be for first-time venture-backed founders because I was just really good at sales. At that point then, you're six months into your business and that's when you end up raising about a half a million dollars. What kind of traction did you have then at that point when you when you raised the money? I'm curious about that. Um, we probably had like a quarter million dollars in GMV which is not a ton. Um, but I think that the thing that I had to prove at that point was not a function of like a million users or a bunch of revenue. 
because everybody was just impressed by the fact that like you got 20 people to do like give you 13 grand <laughs> over the internet yeah i don't know if this guy's crazy or not but if he's crazy he at least knows where to find his friends <laughs> right you know half a million dollars in the grand scheme is not a huge amount of money and most were just impressed by the fact that i was i was able to solve for like i can actually do a bathroom without destroying your house and i can kind of squint and see why this might be a better experience than say angie's list i don't know if he's right don't know if this is big enough if there are enough crazy people out in the world but i'm curious to see like what he can do with a little bit more cash and then going into that with that half a million, you mentioned kind of you can get there faster with that, obviously having more capital. For you, once you raised that money, was that a matter of spending more on like the paid acquisition side just with with more ads or was that going towards a, a team for the website? Like, take me through like that use of funds after you raised that like half a million dollars. I'd say about two thirds went to team because um, I realized that I needed a much better product. Um, so, you know, six months in, like I said, about 20 customers and it's probably less than that um, because a couple of our, our customers had purchased more than once. Like they got a bathroom in January, let's say, and then came back again in May for like the powder room. So it probably was like 15 unique customers. Um, but what I realized is that, and, and I think this is probably one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make, is that they want to grow t- sooner than they actually know what they have. Um yeah. So my thought was half a million dollars. It's costing us roughly 300 bucks to get a customer. Okay, cool. So now I have half a million dollars. Just like simple math says I could create X amount of customers, right? But then what happens if I'm actually right with that? Well, two people can't manage that. No way. So we hired engineers. Um, we outsourced some some product like design, build um, I knew what I wanted it to look like based on my own bias, but there was a lot of things like, for example, we went through everybody's uh, user onboarding flow. And at the time, uh, Angie's List took you like 15 steps before you got to an aha moment. Um, Home Advisor wasn't much better. It was probably like 10. This is before they merged. Thumbtack ended up being the best. I think you, you could do like, five steps and then you got a list, which makes sense that like, they were completely encroaching on Home Advisor and Angie's List business. And what's funny, like, today yeah. I don't even compete with any of those guys um, anymore. Um, we have a completely different set of competitors. But at the time, that's the only like person that I could compare myself to. So we went through like that process. And I, I always leaned into the things that I was bad at. So like I never read anything about like how to sell online. I was like, I know offline it translates it's not history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes so like the same set of circumstances need to be established right if you know the 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 customer situation you understand their problems and the implications of those problems and those are really big and your solution is like really easy to use and you know affordable like they have the budget whatever affordable is a is relative, but they have the budget, then, you know, a sale happens. It's just an exchange of enthusiasm after you can line up those things. Um, What I didn't understand was like product and like why things work and some things don't, right? So I remember reading a book um, that said, the reason why Facebook, one of the reasons, there's a bunch of neat reasons, right? One of the reasons why Facebook um, took off is because you ended up getting friends, which is the point of a social network. 
right in less than 24 hours like they actually had a metric that said if you can get 10 connections inside of 24 hours you'll go on to be a uh, a power user and if you couldn't get them then you'd almost always leave and never come back so one of the things that we really focused on was like that aha moment every other site at the time um some have caught up some haven't changed whatever we've got new competitors um every one of them would you know target uh, bathroom renovation costs near me you'd hit a landing page it ask you a bunch of questions about your bathroom and then it'd say okay great thanks for signing up We'll have a contractor reach out to you. So we said, hmm, if that's like the highest trafficked keyword at the time, why don't we just solve for that? Like, what if we just built a bathroom calculator, but instead of being like a design blogger or a real estate agent or somebody who was just trying to field leads so that they can get a listing, what if we could just really just build that? Like, how much does it cost to remove a tub, install a tub, remove a toilet, install a tub, blah, blah, blah. And then when right. they book, or excuse me, when they hit enter, they actually get a price that they can act on right then. Um, so our very, like, I'd like to say MVP version one or version two at this point. Uh, if version one was give me your information and schedule um, a video call with Calendly, then version two was <laughs> answer two questions and get an instant quote. So simple. So much faster than other, other companies at the time. With that, getting that quote, then what was the process? In terms of like the flow, I'm looking through it now. They got the quote. What was the process from there to actually like finished bathroom? So, and this is kind of goes back to your original question of like, what did I do with the cash first? So yeah. Um, once we raised, I said, if I was right, so I had to hire engineers. I had to hire, you know, outsource some product stuff. Uh, and then I said, what, what are the things that I can do myself? What are the things that I still need help with? Just in case I'm right and I can turn, you know, a dollar into a thousand dollars, right? Um, so then I realized that I need an operations person or team, um, and then a customer service person. So the very next step is, you know, I you pick you tell me all the things that you want. And what's interesting is, like you said, we figured that out now almost two years to the date, and we haven't really changed that much. We've moved buttons, we've changed like the name of some of those milestones. But inherently, all things considered equal, it's still just two steps and then a price. That was the right thing to do. After that, um, what happens today is highly automated and we use a bunch of technology to make these things easier. Um, but uh, back then, what would happen is you'd be passed over to a customer service person. We call them a concierge, where we would basically say, hey, Justin, I need you to send me your Pinterest board. So I can get an understanding for what you want your bathroom to look like. That price that you got is for us to throw a bomb in your bathroom and rebuild it. But we want to make sure that it's custom to you and something that you're really going to love when it's done. So um, we found that most of the time, if you ask a customer what they want, um, it's kind of like the Henry Ford quote. like a <laughs> So we would just say, show us what you've been spending your time doing. And then we would kind of put, put together that like, oh, you like big hexagon tile on the floor and subway tile on the walls. You tend to be a clear, clean palette, blah, 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 blah. And then we'd kind of digitally paper mache like your dream bathroom together and say, hey, without like the copy and paste, and this is super ugly, right? But is this kind of right? And then in that very first call, after you've given us, you know, a booking, you would be able to say, oh yeah, you guys know me so well with the floors, but like actually on, on, the, on the wall, 
We chose a very like skinny subway tile. So two inches tall, eight inches long. But really what I'd like more is something like four by six. Just give me a little bit more, uh, make it a little bit more palatable, blah, blah, blah. Um, you also chose stainless steel fixtures. And I actually really love matte black. I don't know how I missed that in all my Pinterest, all my pinning. Um, so yeah, if you can make those changes, awesome. Um, and then we said, okay, great. Um, once we had your materials in order, uh, we'd, we'd place that order on your behalf and then we would file for your permits um, and then basically build your construction plan in Keynote. So we do propose, or excuse me, existing and proposed, um, pretty much just giving a whole bunch of uh, direction to the contractor to say, hey, and this is the operations person, would say like, hey, the four by six tile needs to be installed vertically with gray grout. Um, the gray grout is labeled, it's coming from Wayfair. Um, the hexagon tile um, can only be installed one way. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just make sure you center the room, blah, 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 blah. And then that was it. We would send over like that PDF, uh, keynote to PDF converted so that the like, contractor couldn't accidentally like backspace or something and delete all of our notes. They could mark it up if they wanted. And what was great is that it was portable so they could be on their phone. Um, but that would be it. So customer service to get the customer like tight on what they wanted to look like. And then the operations person was re responsible for ordering materials, and then making sure that the contractor knew what was going to go where. And then as we did more of these things, we realized that like, hey guys, every time that we open up, every time we get another customer, we build a new um, keynote, like proposed and existing and proposed. Right. We can automate that. It's waste. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Technology for that. Um, hey, um we realized that people really want customization on their like floor tile and their wall tile, but like nobody gives a shit pun intended about what the toilet looks like. Told them this is the toilet that we install <laughs> unless yeah. somebody comes to us with like some Euro wall mounted, blah, 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 blah. Um, then yeah, we'll do that. Um, so we focused on the things that really made a difference. And then anything that didn't really end up being, a reason that a customer left, we standardized. Um, and that would be stuff like how much square footage of tile we ordered, um, the toilet that we used, but the things that really matter, like the color of the tile or the size of the tile, we still allow that to be fully custom to this day. Um, and it's a, it's a moat for us. One thing I want to go back to. So this makes the process so easy. Obviously, it's a short, shortened time frame, so you you solve for that problem. What I'm interested in, though, then understanding this in like a thirteen thousand dollar type of transaction or whatever it ends up being, if it ever changes. But my whole point is, I'm curious about your your thoughts on the pricing strategy. I know that first one was like, oh yeah, it's like sixty percent off of a normal one. How did you think about the pricing strategy for this type of thing? Um, so what I wanted to do was deliver a luxury bathroom at cost. So I figured that, and I know this from long fence, right? That the reason why we're willing to spend $34,000 with a big established construction companies, you're paying for peace of mind. Um, you think like the person that you find outside of a handyman store, 
or you know a home improvement store you don't know anything about them whether or not they do good work blah 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 right but when you get like the institution of long fence family owned and operated since 1941 there's just something that you don't <laughs> have to check on and unfortunately in this business that means i'm allowed to charge you for that yeah what i wanted to do was be able to build a brand that pretty much said, hey, you can trust that we're going to do this fast. Um, it's going to be a quality install. It's going to be all the things that you want and get from these bigger companies. But we're just going to charge you what it actually costs us to get done. Um, and the way that Remodelmate makes money is by marking up a, a fair price for the things that we do in the process. Like making sure you get a bath and that's exactly what you want when everybody else is selling you you know, tile based on what they bought in bulk. Yeah. Or, you know, that type of customization costs money. Um, but I can do it if it will pay me this amount of money above and beyond what it actually costs. And what we notice is that most customers aren't unreasonable, right? They know that they can't get something for nothing. Um, they just really hated the concept that the legacy experience, you either got no transparency or you absolutely knew that you were paying two or three times what it cost, but the alternative was roll the dice with somebody that you don't know uh, and end up having to do the project twice. So you're going to pay for it one way or the other, right? Um, that was our pricing strategy. It was like, hey, you know, Joe Contractor, you've done a jabillion bathrooms, right? <laughs> you know exactly how long it takes you to take out a toilet. How much, how long it takes to take out a tub. I know that you've never thought of a bathroom this way, but how much does each one of these steps take from a time and money perspective? And then when we put that number together, we always ended up somewhere, you know, around low five figures. Um, so I said, okay, great. If I'm, I'm going to charge this amount of money, this is how much I get, this is how much you get. And we intentionally made, made it so that like the contractors had to kind of take a hit. Um, we didn't want them. How do I say this? If they're used to getting paid 10 grand, like that could cover all their bills, uh, all their costs. We still wanted to, them to get paid like 9,500 because they need to see this as, you know, an alternative to advertising. Yeah. Uh, if I just gave them, you know, exactly at cost, then they may not, my, my thesis was that they may not think of us as like a value add, but more so kind of like the thing they can do whenever they get to it. And that wasn't the experience that I was trying to build. So that's how we got to pricing. Um, there are a bunch of companies that have sprung up since then, not in the home improvement space, but like I think Casper is a great example. Um, Warby Parker, um, Brooklinen, Italic is the latest one. Um, we all understand that like the the supply chain in all of these businesses is fundamentally broken. Every time the product changes hands, um, the price goes up. So yep. if we cut out all those middle people, then we can pass on those savings to the customer. But like, don't be fooled. Casper does make a spread because it's now taking on the risk or Warby Parker, right? Like the fact that like my lenses can be scratched a year from now, I'll get a brand new pair of glasses. And Interestingly enough, it's those small promises, those micro promises that end up making a really big difference to the consumer because especially in the construction business, 
you're, 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 it's really the only experience where you spend five figures and expect to have a bad experience. <laughs> it's, it's a strange world to be in, huh, Chad? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, and and take me through. You mentioned the the five hundred k you raise, and you get to this point where okay, you were at two hundred fifty thousand roughly before that. You had all this great traction. You raise the five hundred k. You figure more things out. You hire people. Like take me through today. Twenty. This is this is like July of twenty of twenty twenty. Like where's the company at now? And like what's the what's the vision moving forward? So um, after we raised. Uh, we went from a quarter million dollars in the first year to a million dollars in the next year. You're the company 4X. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And and, uh, to date has been really interesting. Um, So we think about February. Generally, Q1 is not the best for us because people are recuperating from the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's. Um, So Q1's typically a slower quarter for us anyway um but then you know march came around and we were like yep this sucks (laughs) Uh, i literally sent out an email to all my investors um that said hey guys um thank you so much for help for the help up to this point i have no idea what's going to happen just knowing that if the ship goes down i'm going down with it and they were like dad we'll support you you know it's not the end of the world, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, I know it's not the end of the world. I can sell. <laughs> I'm just letting <laughs> you know, don't email me and get freaked out because I'm already freaked out enough. So let me just do my job. Yeah. Uh, but I literally sent out an email like saying, we're expecting zero, low to no demand for the foreseeable future. Um, and then I told my team that like, you know, we're going to uh, cut salaries. Um, we're cutting spend, we're cutting everything, right? Um, so it's kind of like the the wartime CEO versus peacetime CEO. Yep. Um, it's a weird, it's weird for me to like give myself that own compliment, I guess. But I'm definitely like the type of person like, nope, everybody's getting chopped in half, and we're working twice as many hours because if I'm right, everybody else, all of our competitors, they're all sissies, right? They're, they're, they're soft. They can't make it through this time. So all we got to do is make it through this time and then we're going to crush it. Yeah. It'll be, you know, milk and honey. So everybody strap in. And then Q2 happens, April 1st. We're just like, what's going to, oh man. And the business is still here, right? We're like, holy shit. Wait, we're still going <laughs> to Somebody just book a bathroom? Like what? And like, are you sure? Like we're calling people and we're like, wait, 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 why did you do that? <laughs> so the answer that we got was, hey man, um, I've been saving up for this trip to insert international destination here. Mm-hmm. Um, but odds of that happening, slim to none um, this summer. Um, I'm spending so much time in my house right now. I realize I just hate my house in a lot of ways. And um yeah it looks like you guys make it really easy to get my bathroom done so i wanted to start there uh what is your plan on like social distancing and protective coverings and, da, 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 da. and we're like you already paid your deposit right so like are you calling are you are you asking all these questions because if we answer this question wrong you're going to cancel they're like <laughs> no 
it's more so just trying to understand like if I should be here or if I should move somewhere else while the renovation is going on. And I'm like, oh my, this is awesome. So um, the long the the long answer to your question is uh, business is great. Uh, Q1 2020 over Q1 2019, uh, we were up 1.4, 1.5x. And then Q2 2020 over Q2 2019, we were up 1.7. Um, and now Q3 and Q4 is by far our busiest season of the year. So we're really excited. Um, we are raising a small round to keep up with that growth. Um, we've got a little over half of it already done. And um, we're getting ad spend for oh man, 10 times less than what we were paying before. Because all those big guys that I was telling you about, they've pulled back on their advertising spend because like me, they thought that demand would have gone to zero. Yeah. Uh, the only reason why we're still advertising is, and maybe I shouldn't be telling all these secrets, right? It's, it's what's in my head. But, um, so I, I listened into the, like every other millennial in the, in the country, I've been playing around with stocks. And uh, I'm a stockholder or shareholder, excuse me, in Wayfair and Lowe's. And Lowe's, Lowe's earning call um, in early April said like, oh man, this is awesome. I wish people got sick more often, basically. Um, <laughs> that's a very like uh, poor taste thing for me to say, but that's literally like they, the, the company, all the executives were very excited about like people being home and now wanting to like convert their home offices. And this is this right. Thing. So I'm like, wait a second. There's no way that if people are going into Home Depot and into Lowe's to like actually buy stuff off the the shelves, that's probably the last place on earth that I want to be. Um, while we don't know like how this thing spreads yet, and they're saying that foot traffic is up, so I'm like, I gotta be able to sell something over the internet. Then like this is what the company was built for, right? Uh, so then we double down, and it's been great so far. So cross my fingers that it keeps on going. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the latest and the greatest. That's great to hear. And obviously like, yeah, to, to that point, a, a, a terrible situation to have COVID. We both know this, but it does, it does lead to good opportunities in other ways. And like, if this is the world we live in, so be it where you make the most of it, obviously, uh, to that point. Um, and one thing I'm always wondering with, with, with entrepreneurs and stuff, is there any particular books or any resources that have been helpful for you or useful as you've kind of had your entrepreneurial journey so far, Chad? Yeah. So I think there's the classics, right? You got the hard thing about hard things, Ben Horowitz. You got um, Zero to One, Peter Thiel, Venture Deals with Brad Feld, um, you know, table stakes, right? Uh, I think some that really made a big difference for me, ooh, Hooked by Nir Eyal, N-I-R-E-Y-A-L, and yep. Ryan Hoover. Um, that's the one that told me about the, the Facebook, uh, in under 24 hours. That's how you became a power user. Um, upstarts by Brad stone. That's uh, the story of Uber and Airbnb helped me a lot with the, uh, chicken and the egg problem. Um, let me see if there's any others. Leaders eat last by Simon Sinek. Yep. I found Simon Sinek through the why, how, what told, helped me with like 
distilling the message down and figuring out the science behind why Apple kicks everybody's ass in marketing. <laughs> um, love, 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 love him. Um, ooh, Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Yes. Yep. And then The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick, which pretty much tells you how to run a perfect user interview. So useful. We'll definitely have those in the show notes. Also, is there any uh, any particular tool, software, app that, that you love to use to help either run your business or stay productive? Um, I am inappropriately addicted to Notion. <laughs> and I completely understand the $800 million seed round now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> funny enough, I would say HubSpot. Um, I, I, I don't think people get excited enough about CRMs, but I, you know, being a sales was my first superpower. Um, I, I just, I mean, no, no shots at Salesforce, but I get a sales pitch probably like quarterly at this point for, you know, $12,000 worth of software. And for a startup, you just don't need nearly as much power as Salesforce can provide. And then there's a bunch of products on the other spectrum that aren't powerful enough. I love that HubSpot, you can literally come in. You have like your, your starter growth suite, then you got your professional, you got your enterprise. And like every, it's kind of like just when you're tapping out of features, like you're like, ah, I need more power. It's just like, oh shit, you can just move right up to professional. And it's awesome. <laughs> Next level. <laughs> That's yep. perfect. And it's all about asset allocation as an entrepreneur, whether it be your time, whether it be your money. And so that's a good point you make there with like, you don't necessarily need all the bells and whistles, especially if yeah, you're not that stage yet, but to grow into it with a HubSpot, that's interesting. You mentioned that. That's why I always, I always ask entrepreneurs. I'm curious about that too, because especially anyone trying to grow a business, try, trying to even start a business, like there's so many options out there and to just have a feel for what ones you should be using or could be using, I think is super helpful. Um, as well. And, and we're running out of time here. So I just want to ask, is there any uh, particular lessons or anything you can think of that you would tell other entrepreneurs just kind of looking back at your, your journey so far, Chad? Yes. Um, so this is actually a secondhand lesson. Um, a buddy of mine who started a company called Contactually uh, went out to get acquired by Compass. Uh, I now, I mean, he started out as a mentor, but now he's definitely a friend. Um, one day I called him, I was freaking out cause I have a customer who's really upset at me, you know, threatening a whole bunch of stuff. And he said, Hey Chad, look, when you start your company, you kind of clear many embar- uh, uh, the minimum threshold or barrier for, you know, intelligence and like get shit done and figure shit out kind of stuff. Right. He was like, from that point on, you really have to think about two things. Um, how quickly can you make decisions and how quickly can you unwind them in the event that they're wrong? Uh, if you can figure out those two things from now until you sell the company or, or go public, you'll be fine. So I have now taken that lesson or that talk, which like literally talked me off the cliff <laughs> yeah, uh, and distilled it down to, and it's literally one of our company's like, uh, you know, culture tenants is, um, most decisions that you're going to make as an entrepreneur are things that can be um, unwound. Um, so don't be afraid to make the mistakes. I know that a lot of people have like, you know, move fast, break things, or like progress is better than perfect, but that sounds really, really scary when it's like 
the $8,000 from your last job or your exit package or running up credit cards. So you're like, I, I can't afford to make mistakes because I might go out of business or, you know, just ruin my life. My, my partner might leave me, you know, whatever it is. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the reality is that um, about 99% of the mistakes that you're going to make can be fixed. So don't be afraid of making the mistake. Just understand that the mistake is not what defines you. It's how you respond to the mistake. Absolutely. And Chad, where can people go to learn more about you and all you're doing? Uh, so me personally, I'm most active on Twitter and the handle would be uh, Chad Hall, C-H, but instead of the, so funny story, <laughs> Chad Hall is actually a football player um, for the Eagles. So he took my full name. How dare so, he? How dare he? Right? <laughs> it is catch a ball. Like, yeah. Anyone can do that. 19 weeks out of the year, right? Like not even impressive. Um, <laughs> so spell, spell the name Chad Hall, but where you see A's put X's and that's where you can find me on Twitter. Um, and then for the company, it's just remodel me everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, wherever remodel like a renovation mate, like a friend. Um, one word, all lowercase, no spaces. Perfect. And just to be clear for that, then you're in DC still for that or expanding where, where can people know uh, in terms of getting their remodeling done? Yeah. So you can get your bathroom done if you are in DC, Charlotte, North Carolina, or Denver, Colorado for the time being. And we hope that before Thanksgiving, we'll also be in a couple other cities that I don't want to tip off yet. <laughs> Perfect. And one thing to remember, this is a podcast. So people right now will be listening years from now. I know this because I've done it for two years and people still listen to the early episodes, which is crazy to me. Uh, so hopefully by then they're like, oh, wow, Remodel Mate's now in like 70 cities. So <laughs> it continues to grow. <laughs> but Chad, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a good time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.